Good afternoon and welcome back to this episode of the Here to Serve podcast. My name is Laura Bowen and I'm the Executive Director at USTA Florida. My guest today is Antoinetta Mosley. She is a Courage curator, a keynote speaker, and an author. And she's on a mission to help individuals and organizations consistently cultivate courage to reach their highest potential. Antoinetta is the Chief Encouragement Officer, or CEO, at Courage Candy Company, a strategic consulting firm that specializes in courage cultivation and culture building. As a culture strategist, Antoinetta has worked on a range of projects for organizations of all sizes, including small to global nonprofits, as well as Fortune 500 companies. She travels the country as a sought-after speaker, and her commitment to her field recently earned Antoinetta recognition as one of the top 100 HR influencers by Engagedly. This year, she published her book, Six Months of Courage Candy, Consistently Cultivate Courage to Reach Your Highest Potential. The book is filled with daily inspirational messages designed to help readers increase their courage consciousness over a period of six months. I've had the pleasure of working with Antoinetta for several years now. She has trained our staff and many of our aspiring leaders on how we can have more courageous conversations and be more effective working as a team and how I can be more effective as a leader. In today's conversation, we're gonna talk about what it takes to be a leader in today's working world. I hope you enjoy the pod, and I look forward to reading your comments on our posts. Antoinetta, thank you so much for being part of this podcast. You've been in my network now for several years, and I'm just so blessed and grateful to have you. And thank you for spending the time with me today. Of course, so excited to be with you and the network again. USTA is just really special to my heart personally and professionally. So thank you for having me back again. Today, we're going to talk about a a topic that um, I've wanted to talk to someone about for a long time. And you are the absolute perfect person (laughs) because you're courageous, but you also have empathy. And I always feel really comfortable talking to you about topics that might be a little bit difficult. So I I did want to talk to you today about sort of the experience that leaders are having in today's world. And the first thing I wanted to do was maybe invite you to share some of your thoughts about the responsibilities that leaders have today, the expectations that the world has of those leaders, and maybe where those things don't match up so good at times. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, it's so important when I love leadership, I've always loved leadership. And I think it's so important whether we're talking about leadership or equity or whatever it is to really define and what, whether it's a group or organization or personally, what does right authentic leadership or courageous leadership, what does that mean? And what type of leadership do we want? And I think often individuals have expectations of their leaders that may not be expressed or stated 
But people often judge leaders based on their personal experiences, biases, what type of leader they would love to have. And so I think it's so important uh, as leaders for us to actually let people know what type of leader we are, because Mm -hmm. if not, unfortunately, it's often defined for us of, I expect you to respond to everything that happens in the world um, or everything that individuals may be concerned, um, enraged, excited about. And so I think as leaders, in today's day and age, we really have to make sure we're courageous enough to say, this is the type of leader I am, and this is how you can expect me to lead. And also, right, I would love to hear your thoughts, but I've realized like, oh, wow, I can't change my right leadership style and the way I lead for yeah. each individual person. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting. We had a, um, a leadership training uh, earlier this month. And the very last thing they had us do was to write down our leadership philosophy, our personal leadership philosophy. And it struck me exactly what you just said is like, we don't communicate that ever. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. I never had. And so you had to write down these like three to five themes of what was your leadership philosophy. And then you were encouraged to share it. And so that was something I wanted to do you know, with my team coming up on one of our meetings. And I wanted to share it with you today because I feel like, wow, if I had just maybe shared this mm-hmm. years ago or took this time, like it would clear up a lot of those expectations that people may have, like you are one thing versus yes. who you are as your authentic self. So for me, my themes where I do what I say and I don't ask others to do what I'm not willing to do, like that's a very core value for me. Um, I do have a team first mentality and I do expect that of others. Um, if you help others succeed, then the team will succeed. Um, I do the right thing even when it's, uh, or especially when it's hard and that gets to your, your, what you do with your courage candy and your courageous work is that it does take a lot of courage to make choices, make decisions and do things that people are not going to like. Um, and that happens often. I do try to respect everyone and demonstrate empathy in response to anger or dissatisfaction. And that they said you could have aspirational uh, (laughs) elements of your leadership. And I said, if I was going to have an aspirational one, it would be this of like, that I want to do that all the time. You know, I think I've gotten better at doing that more often, um, but that takes practice. And then thinking critically, which I think everyone Mm -hmm. who knows me is something that is very core to my being. It's like challenging my thinking, my assumptions and challenging others thinking and assumptions. And sometimes we always default to the easy answer. And I know that I irritate my team many, many times. I think it (laughs) happened today where I was like, that you're not giving me the answer. You're telling me all the problems. Let's think critically about the answer. Solve, solve. And it's hard. It's not one answer, it's multiple answers. But your goal is to get to the answer, not sit and stew in the problem. So it was interesting because just even writing this down, I thought, oh, gosh, what a miss on my part that I haven't ever shared that with with people. You just assume people know you. Like, they know these things matter to me. They know that's who I am. But the truth is they they really don't. No, I think that's beautiful that you did that and that your team is going to get that from you because I think that's one of the like biggest 
gaps or pitfalls I've seen is just the assumptions and presumptions that come up, right? Not just from um, staff to leaders, but the other way around, uh, right? Like we all often, right? We're all biased. We all have implicit biases. We all have known biases, right? Mm -hmm. That, That hopefully we're working through. And so our brain wants to make those quick judgments because we have so many thoughts in a day that our brain wants us, right, to quickly go, okay, you are this, you are that, okay, this is how I deal with you. So, and it's just like that, unfortunately, is not life. And it clicked to me probably like eight years ago. I was just, I think, really blessed that this happened. But with my team, we did these different personality tests and then we went to lunch together to talk about what things we resonated with and what things we didn't. And my personality test says that I do not like conflict. And so my team member said, this isn't you. (laughs) And I said, no, it actually is. And so we had this just major breakthrough and it changed how I led forever because I realized as a leader, we often, right, we have to have a strong front and we have to make tough decisions. Um, And they were thinking, right, for for me, that was easy, you know? And I think especially now being a courage curator, people may think like, I just love, right, Uh, (laughs) making these courageous tough decisions or speaking out or speaking boldly. And it's actually very difficult for me. And so they got to see me as a human, as a person, Versus, oh, this is our strong leader who they thought did not mind conflict. And I actually am a peacekeeper and a peacemaker. And I actually would love to avoid all conflict and all costs. So, yeah, I'm excited for for your team and you and just others listening to go, wait, maybe they don't know certain things about the core of who I am. Yes. I think that's so powerful what you just said, because I remember at this job, before I was promoted, I remember my previous um, executive director said to me, and he said, you you just, you're tough. You don't have feelings. And I said, no, it's actually the opposite. I, I feel so deeply for people that I'm very mindful of not making decisions based on that. Yep. And I try yep. very hard to because thinking critically is something that's such a core value to me is being able to separate having a great deal of empathy for this situation and feeling very deeply and and I have to find a way to sort of process those emotions and feelings particularly when I'm making difficult decisions I do not enjoy that I don't enjoy making decisions that I know people are are going to um, dislike or be unhappy about But I also understand that that's part of growth and critical thinking and and uh, it's a challenge area for me. So very, very similar what what yeah. you said. Oftentimes the things that we dislike the most or least comfortable for us are the spaces that we, we have to embrace. Yes. Yes. And I think also just, you know, telling people about yourself, it's interesting. And, and I know we were kind of talking about this, but see, people see one piece of your life or even one season of your life or one time period. And so I realize now, you know, for so much of my life, like everyone knew me as an athlete. And that was like a central identity that people knew about me. And now, you know, in my late thirties, 
that's not the case anymore. And so I have to tell people, oh, like I value the team and I love just what you were saying about solution oriented. And like, you know, even with my husband, I'm like, no, I want the solution, right? Like I'm a team person, like let's work through this, the, the yeah. muddy, messy middle, like let's do it together. And that comes from running, you know, track in high school and in college and, and being that leader. And I realized, oh, wow, like I have to tell people now, right, that my core leadership stems from being an athlete much of my life and from being the oldest of four. And so often people mm -hmm. think, right, especially as a Black woman, that's what informs your leadership style mm -hmm. the most. And so I've realized I have to actually tell people, like, these are the things that inform my leadership style the most. There's a great book, Malcolm Gladwell has that talking to strangers. And I thought that mm -hmm. that really codified a lot of the importance of talking to people and what we miss a lot of times with um, bias and not understanding people is just, just you have to talk to people more. And, yes. you know, <laughs> and the more we talk to each other and share, um, the better. I did want to uh, ask you a question, though, about generations in the workforce, because yeah. that's sort of this other complicating factor, right, is we yeah. now have more generations in the workforce than I'm probably we've ever had. Yeah, and ever before, yes. Ever before, isn't that crazy? And it is. so when it comes to like interacting with each other and having these conversations and getting to know each other, what observations have you seen in your work with different companies in maybe how we are or maybe are not navigating those different needs and expectations of the generations? And are we as leaders... Um, supposed to be adjusting our style to fit those generations? And can we even do that effectively? I love that. So, you know, I try to keep up and continue to do research. And so, yes, we have the most generations in the workplace than ever before. Um, people are not only living longer in the United States and, and abroad, However, people are staying in work longer. And so, you know, I was on a call this week. I was on a call a few weeks ago of people who were in first and second retirements, right? And they were in CEO roles. So they're like, yes, I've retired. And then yeah. this is like my next post-retirement. And someone had like retired <laughs> twice. And they're like, this is my right role for a few years. And so that's pretty unprecedented yeah. to have people you know, who have retired one or multiple times who are now leading organizations. And so when you add that to, right, the Gen Z um, mm -hmm. generation coming in, it's very different. I'm a millennial. So, you know, when I was in college is, is to date myself is when Facebook first started. And so you just think about my college experience, right? Very different right. than someone now, right? Like, Everything was just starting with social media. I can't even imagine being a high schooler today. Mm -hmm. And so I do believe as leaders, we do have a responsibility if we want to be effective and impactful leaders. Mm -hmm. We have a responsibility to learn about how do we meet these five generations that mm -hmm. may be interacting together at one time, right? COVID, like when we just think about people who are coming up now and into their first job and you just think about your mind and, and the things you experience and that they had three yeah. years of their life before that impacted by a global pandemic, right? I mean, I just can't even fathom. And so 
think as leaders, we have to decide, do we kind of just bury our head or, or mm-hmm. turn, turn our head or do we embrace this messy, difficult, beautiful fact that we have all of these generations interacting together? And I think what you just said, right, the talking I've seen just becomes the most important part is creating those psychologically safe spaces where people can share like, oh, I feel, you know, maybe I felt you dismissed me because I was young or because I was older and where people can talk through that of like, oh no, you actually remind me, right. You know, up by that or something like that. And that's why, and it's not your, your age. It's interesting. Uh, we notice that the generations do tend to gravitate to their own generation. And, and so, you know, when we talk about people not sort of engaging with people they don't know, they, it's yes. it's been fascinating to watch um, that our staff tend to gravitate toward people who are in the same generational demographic as they are. And what happens there is they don't have those sort of cross-generational conversations to find those those similarities. And one thing that struck me, I went to, when I went to the U S open this year, I brought my niece and I never, I never usually bring a guest to the open. You know, it's not something I've done and my niece is 21. And so I wanted her to have that experience. And we went down to the nine 11, uh, memorial and we didn't go to the museum. I've been there before, but we went to the memorial and I'm thinking, you know, she was, she was born after nine 11. I was very oh, early that's in that like, I'm like, what? It's very yeah, right? mind blowing. Right. And, um, so I'm thinking, you know, she probably doesn't have a lot of context for that. And I'm, uh, for me, that was a very pivotal moment for my life yeah. and my career, you know, that I was three years into my career, this happened in, in many ways it defined so much of my world. And she said something to me that really struck me. We were we were walking around and I said, you know, this is what used to be here. I used to come to New York all the time growing up in New Jersey. And this is what this used to look like. And she said, you know, my generation is the generation that was born from 9-11. And we graduated high school during COVID. And our whole life has been defined by these two events. And I had to sit with mm. that for a moment and think, the first thing I thought is you don't, you didn't experience 9-11. You weren't, you weren't, <laughs> right, right. you know, yeah. <laughs> and, but I sat with that and I thought, you know what? She's right. Is that yeah. you have a generation that very much views their pocket of the world in sort of this very chaotic, traumatic situation. Yeah. yeah. It helped me understand her better yeah. as a, she's a Gen Z. And then I think what was lacking there is that the lack of curiosity about what was that like to be working there? that. So we just ended up talking just, you know, about, I said, well, this is where I was working and this is what I was doing. And it struck me as like, there's so much we don't understand about each other that we don't yes. sit down and talk about like, how do you see yourself in the world, you know, today yes. and just really sit and listen and enjoy, enjoy that. And I think about that when I walk around the office and they think about, you know, I love talking to our staff who are from younger generations. And I also enjoy talking to our staff who are from older generations and they they have a perspective that I also do not have. So that talking to each other and that sharing, I continue to try to push people to like talk to the, to everyone else. And we have a lot of staff who are very good at doing that. They'll sort of get out of their, their bubbles, but um, it's hard. 
it's really it's hard, hard, right? <laughs> Most of us want to be comfortable and we want to talk to people who know exactly what we're talking about, right? It's much more difficult to go, okay, we were told you weren't born yet. Right. <laughs> I mean, like, that's just more difficult, but I've just been really leaning into this season, this year, just like hearing people's stories and right, like not having to react not feeling like you have to have an answer back other than like, wow, thank you for sharing. And, you know, my family, you know, multiple members uh, with my mom and with my mother-in-law, we got them this gift this year um, and it's called StoryWorth. And so we actually send them questions and then they type answers. Oh, that's so cool. And when I tell you the things that, you know, both me and my husband have learned about our mothers, like as people, it's just like mind blowing. And the fact that hopefully one day we'll get to pass these stories down. And I think, you know, this may seem like, oh, Antonetta, yes, that's personal. This is work. However, I feel like in workplaces and organizations, we have missions and we have visions and we have values. And how do we carry along these stories, right? Of this is the organization and this is the heart of the organization. And I think we need more of that in organizations of having timelines that new people can come in, having stories. um, Because often when you're coming in, you're just very wide-eyed and like trying to, you know, the, the fire hose of like everything's coming, but right. if you can just write half a day of whether it's just like storytelling of like, this is that who idea. this organization is like, you know, it's different. Then it's not just, okay, this is the place that I come to work yeah. and these are just my coworkers. Yeah. That's, so, that's so powerful. Thank you for, for that, for sharing that, because I don't think we do that super well here. We probably don't do it very much at all. It happens more organically, but yeah. I, I'd yeah. love to, see some ways that maybe we can do that better here. Um, So this next question is, uh, is a little bit difficult. It's something I feel very personally. And, um, you know, as a leader, when you step into a role where you may be the, the face of an organization, or you're, you know, asked to make choices and decisions, um, you, you kind of are expected to fit this persona, right? And, we probably all fit it in in some way, right? There's some aspects of it that might come naturally to us. But I find sometimes that the persona can overtake your individual humanity. So when people say, be an authentic leader, but don't be too authentic, like (laughs) (laughs) you sort of, um, there's a trade-off there. Like I've accepted this role and then sometimes that role becomes consuming in a way that you can't really feel like you are this individual and you're this human that has all all these similar needs and flaws that like other humans have. So in your uh, experience, what are some of the ways that we can stay true to ourselves and preserve our humanity and our authenticity while also being effective leaders? Yeah, that, gosh, like, you know, why I started my company and and we're going through um, a shift and and we're adding more components, but so we're Courage Candy Co. now and our core has been I Follow the Leader and we're we're even keeping our podcast that because 
just that story of like why I got into this work, why I got into culture work is because I believe where can we have more spaces where diverse voices can be uplifted? And so, you know, we have to look at the context of our country or whatever country people are in of like, you know, if you think about who is a leader, most of us have an image of what would come up. And if you don't personally fit that, it can be very difficult, um, not only to see yourself as a leader, but also for others to see you as a leader. And so I know for me as a black female, you know, I didn't often like see leaders that looked like me, you know, leading organizations, leading nonprofits, which I was in the nonprofit field for most of my career. And as I just started unpacking layers and, and talking to all these CEOs across the country for my master's um, project paper, I realized like just what we talked about in the beginning, each leader really has to define for themselves who they are. And if not, then other people are going to try to define it for you. And so I think we have to decide what's most important to us, our values, and then let that determine how we lead. Um, I also believe that we have to state, right, that as leaders, people don't just get all of this access to us um, just because they want it. So whether that's on social media, whether that's you know, employees wanting to know about personal lives and, you know, why don't you have kids or why do you do this? Like the people don't actually have to know that, um, for us to be effective leaders. And so I think it's challenging. I think we've seen a lot of burnout in leaders. I think we've seen a lot of depression in leaders, um, especially just in this social media age of you have to do this, you have to do that. And I think as leaders, we have to really say, right, this is what I really enjoy doing and, and this is what I don't, right? As leaders, we don't all have to speak out on every single issue unless, right, it's part of your role. Right, right. And, and I think that is part of the authenticity that we lose. And, and I, I hope, yeah. you know, if there's one thing sometimes I wish people would um, understand is that you can't have an authentic leader that's also all things to all people. Those are in polar opposites yeah. of the scale is that, um, and I think having the ability to say, we want an, a leader who's authentic and who's human. And, and similarly, you know, I can't have an expectation that, you know, my staff come to the office and they check their, their personas at the door and they say, okay, now I'm going to adopt working me, right? That's, that's been talked about a lot, like bringing yourself to the office in a professional manner, but still be true to yourself, like have a desk with the things that are meaningful to you and what you like yes. on them that speak to you. You have that ability. And I think um, the more we can give leaders that grace too, to say, you know, my office has all the things that I care about in it surrounding me and it, it makes me feel comfortable and, and it makes me at least have a little piece of, you know, my family and, and my friends here with me when I come to work every day. But like you said, but you don't get access to everything. There are some pieces of me that are just for me. And I think yes. that's okay to tell people that you don't, you don't have to let everyone into your world. Yeah. And I just love that word. You said grace, right? So 
Um, we have to realize that the values we hold, are we also giving that to others? And so the things that we want to receive from our leaders, our other coworkers, are we also gifting that? Uh, and I think often if we pause, and we've all done this, the, the things we may want from our leaders, are we actually gifting that to our leaders as well? And realizing our leaders are human, right? They have lives they go home to. And I think it, we, we've talked about this, but just in this social media age, people feel like you have to do this. And, you know, something I said was like, you don't deserve all my receipts, right? Like, I don't I love that quote. That is my new favorite quote of you do not deserve all of my receipts. No, we don't <laughs> have to share, right? Like everything in our life or or why we are the way we are, right? Like if I say I'm an empath or this has defined me, like I don't have to go into great detail of right. what made me an empath. Or if I say I've gone through a lot of traumatic things, so conflict isn't fun for me, right? I don't actually have to say all those traumatic things. It's amazing it to, to me. Sometimes this happens where, you know, people will see a portion of you as a leader and they will start to tell you about yourself without knowing you don't know who, who I am, what makes me tick. You, you, we've never even really spoken or had an interaction. And I think that is something that social media has exacerbated, you know, that it's yes. like, I get to see this picture of you and therefore I draw X conclusions about the type of person you are. And I, I think I shared this with you before. I, I drive a truck. That surprises <laughs> everyone. Everyone. When I roll up in the truck and they're like, what? What? Well, not. Right, and they always say the same on? thing. Not what I expected. And my answer is always, what did you expect? Because that tells me a lot about sort of how, how they might frame me in the world. And of course my staff know, they know I drive a truck. They know why they know, <laughs> you know, what I do and my hobbies. But it's funny to me a lot of times that people will see you in a leadership role. They'll see like pieces of you and automatically assume that they know you, they know your values, they know what makes you yes. kick. And what I love about what you said is that you don't need to explain yourself, your heart, your motivations okay. to everyone you get no. to choose and to me it's like you know i think that i try to give every I, I try not to make assumptions about anyone and to say until i know you have a conversation hear your stories hear what you enjoy and like uh, you know and who am i to fill in those blanks but it is it is what we automatically do we fill in the, the holes it is. Our brain wants to, I mean, like when you read, right, brains, when you le read about the neurons in the brain mm -hmm. and then you read about implicit bias, our brain, right, we have so many thoughts that our brain wants the quick things, right? We don't want to have to think deeply about everything, right. but are we also, right, it's the yes and, like, yes, we're going to make quick assumptions and do yeah. we leave room for the pause? Do we leave room for ourselves to be wrong? To go, what? Laura has a trip. Like, do we, leave <laughs> the room? do we leave the room that that could be true? Right. And and it's okay that that doesn't fit the persona. Yes. Right? That you um, thought, right? That you, that you thought that. And, you know, I think those are, those are real. The wonder happens of learning how different people really are and how. <laughs> you know, how many different perspectives and talents that they bring. And uh, yeah, 
I love it. And that's something we could do, right? Is I love um, as icebreakers, like what's something people, you know, would be surprised about, right? Yeah. Like I just bought a kayak. I'm sure, you know, most people listening or, or watching would not think that I have a kayak, right? Um, now it's a purple kayak. So people may say, okay, I see you in purple. That I see you sense. in purple. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> but like, I think it's fun to just, yeah. right? It, it's not to shock and awe, but um, if you can, you know, if you're in a psychologically safe space to like allow different people to see those different layers, because we all do have different identities that are important to us and that inform who we are. And so an activity I love to do in bias training is get people to answer this question. People look at me and see X. I wish they knew why. And you know, like fill in those and blanks. It's been great. It's been great when you've done that. We've learned so much about people. Yeah. And just even the different generations, I've seen so many people who are older or younger say like, right, mm -hmm. you see me as old or you see me as like, I shouldn't be here. Yeah. Um, and I think just when we do that, we get to see each other's humanity. And we also get to acknowledge, like, I know most people think this about me, but this is actually the right. truth. That's, uh, that's so, such a good takeaway. I can't wait to do that exercise again, because I know you're coming back and I, I love <laughs> to do it with different groups every time because I learn yes. different things. I want to talk about empathy and uh, you and I, you mentioned it earlier and we've talked about this is, you know, being an empathetic leader, which I know there's. There are people who really, really seek this out. Like they want leaders who demonstrate empathy um, at a high level. Um, but I think what we don't talk about is, are some of the differences and challenges that come with being a leader that does feel things deeply and does sort of have a good sense of other people's feelings and emotions. So can you talk a little bit about how do empathetic leaders like you feel maybe some pressures differently? And do we need to be extra mindful about burnout when, you know, we might have more tendency toward empathy? Yeah, I, I definitely think to answer the last portion of the, the question first, yes, if you're an empathetic leader, if you really care about individuals, you know, I, I really recommend people to know themselves as a leader. So I love the, you know, values activity you shared. I really believe in whatever test it is, you know, Clifton strengths, et cetera, but just knowing your strengths, right? And so for me, I can go to my strengths and right, we share this, I share this with my contractors, I share this with others, like I'm a learner, right? So like I read my book, you know, my I read the number of books of my age every year, which keeps increasing, which is a fun challenge. I love to learn. I love to challenge myself. And then also one of my themes has to do about the individuals that like I'm such a teamwork person, but I care about each individual which is beautiful and can be really difficult, yeah. right? Because that means if one person is upset or impacted, that impacts me. Yeah. And so I think it's so important for leaders to dig deeper and to be able to share with their team that mm -hmm. like, even if you don't feel comfortable going into detail of, right, these are my right results, 
Th- yeah. and, and, and sharing if you feel they're congruent with who you are, because that opens up the humanity and right. Creating a space where you can share, right. I've had to tell my team sometimes y'all like I am, ex- I'm really exhausted. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just mentally, emotionally exhausted. And like, I need others to step up right now. Yeah. yeah. And you, that is not always possible because I know some people are listening or like I could never say that to my team right and so I don't want people to it takes time to build that space but I do believe as empathetic leaders we have to try to create environments where not only everyone else right gets seen and heard each individual gets seen and heard as a person but that we as leaders also get seen and heard and I'm just in a lot of leadership groups intentionally with just like <laughs> empathetic, courageous people. And what I can say, especially in the last three years, is knowing when you have to turn things off. Knowing what fuels you. The news does not fuel me. I can't watch but so much of the news. Yeah. Knowing when you need a social media break, whether it's a day or I often take a month off. Uh, something oh. I did recently was right made my personal Instagram private for the Yay. first time. <laughs> I support this wholly. <laughs> and so knowing, right, knowing when you add too much, knowing when you haven't had enough kind of soul refueling to go, I need a day off or I need a week of, of no calls or whatever it is, just really staying true to yourself and knowing when you need to refuel, knowing when you need to just go talk to another leader and go, wow, I'm, you know, I'm stressed, even if you can't tell your team that. (laughs) It's really important. And I, I think I am a little different in that um, I tend to compartmentalize a little differently when it comes to empathy, even though I feel things very deeply, I'm able to understand the difference between feeling and understanding someone's emotions and then taking action based on their emotions versus yes. Yes. those principles and values. Because the like the example you said, if you have two people on your team that are, say, upset with each other in an instance, I can understand both of their perspectives. Yep. I'm not here to choose and say one is more important than the other. And so I have to be able to say, I feel you both. I hear you both. Here's the choice or the decision that gets us to move forward and to move to the next step. So being able to turn off that switch, which I think in times of decision, I'm able to say, I have to turn off my, my EQ for a minute here in this instance and move forward with the critical thinking part, you know, it's sort of switched back and forth between critical thinking and, and, you know, you don't always get that balance, right. You know, sometimes yep, yep. I'm too heavy on the critical thinking, problem solving. Sometimes I do get too heavy on, on sort of the empathy and the like, well, I understand. And it's very situational, but I, yep. I hear you if I sit too long in the empathy and there have been times where I've sort of beaten myself up over like, feeling bad about an interaction or something that happened. And here I am two months later thinking about it. And I just have to tell myself, you have to, I have this little box that says you, she took a deep breath and she let it go. And I like, you write it on a paper and you, you throw it away. And I, I have my team do this and they come in and they're upset about something and we work through it. I say, okay, write it on the paper and we throw it away. 
so that you don't consistently have that yes. emotional drain from it. And I, I've tried to get better at doing that, but I, what you are saying is that that empathy, that feeling things that other people feel um, can just sort of, it really drains. And, and if you sit in that space too long, I definitely feel like the burnout is just sitting there yeah. waiting for you. Yeah, you, you have to have those boundaries, right? Of like, okay, you know, just like you said, all right, we, we've talked about this. And now as a leader, you know, I have to make the decision of how we move on or how we move forward. And I think what we see is a lot of people just, just sitting in it, whether mm -hmm. it's through silence, whether it's through fuming. Mm -hmm. And I, I love the radical candor framework by Kim Scott, because it's caring personally while challenging directly. And that to me is empathy. To some people, right, they may just hear the challenge part, right? <laughs> right. But it's it's caring personally while challenging directly. And I believe, right, that radical candor, that's the best empathy that you can have because someone's not caring. Uh, the opposite, right, is like caring personally while staying silent, which I love. She calls ruinous empathy. Yeah, I love that term. I love Ruinous it. Ruinous empathy, right? Or you have like on the other side, manipulative insincerity, et cetera, or obnoxious aggression. And so I really try to live in that radical candor, yeah. caring personally while challenging directly because it's much easier to be mm -hmm. in this ruinous empathetic phase. I care, I care, I care. I'm going to hold it, hold it, hold it. It's going to kind of eat at yeah. me or eat at the person. But mm -hmm. it's, it's hard. But I believe our job as leaders is to facilitate that, right? Yeah. Caring personally, challenging directly. Like you gave the example, if there's two team members, like, okay, yes, and we have to move forward. Yes, yes. So, so good. And for the all the other empathetic leaders out there, I mean, find people to talk to because it's yes. been sort of a gift to me, you know, to talk to someone like Antoinette or other leaders to say, you know, am I being too empathetic in this space or am I being too harsh or am I not listening enough and, and being able to be in a place where you don't have shame or judgment and say, this is the situation that is happening. And am I, you know, give me some guidance, advice, some thoughts in, in that way of like, yes. and I am very lucky to have people in my network who say like, yes, I've been in that situation. I know exactly how you feel. I know exactly the challenge you're facing. And it's normal. Sometimes we just need to hear it's normal, actually. <laughs> yes, like that I helps a lot. That, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like it's like, not yeah. you. It's normal. You're going to encounter this and it's totally normal. <laughs> yes. Yes. So last question for today. I know you work with a lot of boards and you also work with a lot of organizations and their employees. So what do you wish board members and employees knew about their leaders who sit in this middle space that maybe we could share here today that would foster more of that greater understanding and more courageous conversations? Gosh, I, I love that question. Um, what I wish just board and staff members knew about their leaders is they have to take the time to get to know them. They have to take the time to get to know them. And I, I'm a big data person. Um, so I'm just a huge data person. And so I would encourage them to look at the touch points. 
So how many times, and, and I've been a fundraiser, and so they often say, right, you kind of have to like touch someone, have those seven touch points mm-hmm. um, before they really know like what you do or, or who you are. And so I think I would really encourage board members and staff members to try to have those seven touch points with their leader or right if they if it's not their top leader right it could be your manager um mm-hmm. but have those seven touch points before you try to really form a picture like oh, really look at leaders nice. <laughs> yeah no and i'm like this question yeah it was it was off the cuff but i'm like you know if we look at leaders like a puzzle and, and if we just think of it like, until I have these seven interactions, let me try not to decide who this person is. Um, and so I think that would allow board members, uh, right? That would encourage them. Let me make sure I'm at meetings. Let me make sure if it's in person, I'm a little, right? And I can talk to the leader or have five minutes. Um, I think staff members, uh, something I always tried to do, which you know, may have been seen as like, what is she doing? But, you know, making sure even if the top leader wasn't my supervisor, that I would set some time aside, right? Whether it's once a year because they're busy. And and like, I was in a very large nonprofit, but like, hey, can we have right lunch once a year, whatever it is, because the more we get to know people, the more we see them as this person. And so if we can look at leaders as like, not this puzzle to solve, but this puzzle to get to know, right? Like the best puzzles, I'm not a puzzle person, but the best puzzles, right? Have a beautiful image at the end. And if that was our goal, Versus I'm like trying to peel back the layers. Who is she inside? But just to get a better picture and view, I think, I think we would have some really awesome organizations. I think so too. And um, that was actually one of the takeaways from the leadership training I did. We all had to write down like something we were going to work on, you know, and Mm. one of my weaknesses when I'm working with the team that we have at our national offices, you know, not doing enough of like, hey, this is this is somebody that is working on a project that maybe I don't understand or I don't naturally yep. see as a fit for me. So what I tend to do is just say, well, I'm just going to like forget about that and go about my everyday business versus being curious about it and calling them up and saying, you know what, those are the things I want. Tell me more about this and learn yes. that person, learn about that thing that doesn't seem like a fit to me versus the things that I'm like, yes, that that is a fit for, for our organization and something I want to pursue. So I made that commitment to say, I need to ask more questions and provide mm-hmm. more interaction and critical thinking on the people and projects that I don't understand and that I am yeah. trying to be like, I don't know, why? Why are we doing this? <laughs> and I think that's, so that's great advice for me. And I also, you know, would love, I love talking to our team and, and kudos and shout out to the members of my team who some of them will come down here, you know, different times of day and say hello. And we sit, we talk mm-hmm. about all kinds of things. And, um, you know, sometimes they get shamed for that. I'm very aware that they, you said, you know, people didn't understand why you did that. And I think sometimes people are like, oh, they're trying to gain favor. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. oh yeah. 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 But the truth is, is that that's, that's just a people skill to say, um, you know, the more you know about people, the better you are at, at navigating those relationships. Yes. Um, 
And no, I don't, I don't give extra money to the people that come and talk to me. <laughs> right, right, no, right? Like, but it but, is but nice to know that. as a person, yes. right? Like it, you deserve for people to also ask you, how are you? And yes. I, I had a meeting this weekend and I was teaching about a DEI framework, but I realized the world has been heavy. And so I'm like, this may seem crazy, but we only have 60 minutes, but the first 15, I'm just going to ask how you are. And we had a small enough group and I didn't know most of the individuals. And gosh, if we wouldn't have done that, right, it would have just, they would have had an experience with me, but I would have known nothing really about each of them. And people were able to go, I'm exhausted or I'm doing really great. We have this coming up or oh, my teenagers are driving me crazy or whatever it was. But now, right, I got to know them as the human before we went into the work mode. And so if we just will take that time, five, some five, 10 minutes to just go, how are you today? Yes. So, so important. And I, I, I do, I will say we, we have an incredible team and they, they really do interact with each other really well. And and I'm very, very lucky. And I have a wonderful board as well that does take the time to get to know me. And um, so I feel I feel a little um, gifted here that I have such a great <laughs> group that does these things. Um, yes, yes. But it, it doesn't hurt to say, you know, let's continue to reinforce them. And for those that are out there that um, maybe are new to a leadership role or yes. maybe the noise that's been out there is really starting to weigh on you of like, Hey, the world's telling me I should be these 57 things. And I don't, I, and I feel like a failure. I don't, I don't know how I can do it. And I feel like I'm constantly being judged if, if those people can hear and know like, Hey, here's some really practical things that would help you. And it's okay to be a human. It's okay to absolutely be an authentic human. Um, and that these things are normal. <laughs> they are in the make mistakes, right? So that's something I really had to do with my team and and even our clients to go, we're going to make mistakes. And if you could just like put that on the table, as a leader, I'm going to make mistakes. As a leader, I'm going to miss deadlines sometimes. And guess what? You own it, yeah. right? If, if you're willing to own it and go, Hello, we're, we, I'm really sorry. We have to get this to you tomorrow, right? Or often we're taught, don't say sorry. I just, as a leader, I just started being like, what do I feel like? I, I get it. They're like, as a woman, don't say sorry. People will look at you a week as this person. And I just like started just leaving it all. If I feel sorry, I'm going to say yeah, I'm yeah. sorry, yeah. right? Like we've got to stop playing these games because then it feeds into some of these systemic things, which is why some people don't feel like leadership is for them. And if you can care about people, leadership is for you. Yeah. That's, you know, uh, one of my board members says, if you have a heart for service, you know, this organization is for you. And, and, you know, I, I think there's a lot of this sort of like, um, we, we talk about performative work on DE&I, but I think there's performative work on the leadership side, right? You can oh, perform yeah. You can perform as a leader. You, you can certainly check the boxes and be that persona. Um, but I think the truth is, is that, is your heart really in that right place? Like, are you really, do you have the best interests of the, the organization and the humans in your care? And yes, you yes. can still make mistakes and that doesn't mean that your heart isn't is it more in it versus, you know, a performative leader, which is going to look good all the time and it's going to fit and check all of the boxes. 
and never make mistakes, but not really be invested enough to kind of move the organization, care for the people and do do that work. So I I think the performative side of leadership is certainly something that we all deal with. But if you really truly care and you really uh, want to devote your time and energy, I do think leadership is for you. And I, I think a lot of it is just learning, you know, learning from the mistakes, learning from the failures, yes, talking to people yes. like you and saying, what can I do different, better? How do I deal with this? It's, it's all a, a wonderful learning journey. I so appreciate this conversation because, right, people don't really talk about the performative side of leadership or what do you do as a as an empathetic leader? How do you make sure, right, that you still get to do your great work? And something you told me, gosh, like touched my heart, right? Like, we also have to know, like, we've done enough, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I just think that's so powerful we have to remember as leaders you don't have to give every piece of yourself to others because then you have nothing else for you or your family or your loved ones and i think some a lie that has been sold is like you have to work every second of every day to be the best leader and i think we have to go back to our personal missions and if we don't have it we could get so lost and so for me it's helping people consistently cultivate courage to reach their highest potential i don't say 10 million people right right <laughs> so, 10 million people, right yeah. so we have to go back to like that thing and and i just appreciate you saying that to me because it's like yeah we don't have to give right all of ourselves like that's not healthy either yes and i've fallen into that trap many a time and i've had to remind myself so um i think that's a great uh point to end on you don't have to give all of yourself um, but you do have to have the heart for serving others and serving your organization antoinetta you are such a gift to me um, and to our organization we're so happy that we've been able to work with you thank you for your daily texts um And thank you for spending this time with me today to share all of your great wisdom and insights on leadership. It's, it's really been, been great. So thank you. Thank you for, for having me. Can't wait to share this, uh, with with all the leaders I know, because we, we need more conversations like this. Um, and so I just thank you, Laura and, and the team for, for having me on and just grateful for you as a person for reminding me. Uh, just just about leadership. So thank you. You're welcome. We'll have many more conversations, I'm, I'm yes. sure. That's all for this edition of USTA Florida's Here to Serve podcast. For more episodes of the podcast, including upcoming topics, guests, and dates, please visit USTAFlorida.com slash here to serve. Thank you for tuning in and have a wonderful day.